Oh, okay. So this is a brand spanking new podcast called The Lonesome Road, which some time ago, possibly a year or two, some uh, lovely person on Twitter suggested as a name, and we'll find out eventually who that was and give them their proper credit. But for now, we'll pretend it was our idea. I am Lucy. Uh, I've got Seth and Zach, not with me, sadly, but in the superior Southwest, whereas I am in Pennsylvania. And this podcast does not yet have a snappy tagline. I think I wrote one on a post-it and then lost it. But it's devoted to the paranormal, the weird, and things like that. It's um, gently skeptical and gently credulous, I would say. That's our... uh, that's how we feel about these things. And also, it's about country music. And also, every once in a while, we'll talk about, you know, freedom and stuff. Because all of those kind of gel with the vibe that's, that's under the, uh, the, the Lonesome Road thing. So today- I, I would add we're not gently skeptical of country music. We, we actually <laughs> believe that it exists. Strongly. Um, though, if I don't believe in Florida Georgia line, will they disappear? Because I'm willing to disbelieve in them. There's a, there's an experiment. And Daryl Worley, or whatever the hell that uh, Lenny Ravenstahl of the uh, country music uh, is. I don't believe in him. <laughs> I'm already, that's how controversial. I've already just practically got violated Godwin's Law. Like, we haven't there's, even done anything yet. There's a, uh, like, a, a advertisement for a, like, lower mid-tier bourbon at this uh, barbecue place that I go to. And it, it's Daryl Worley is like endorsing this, this bourbon. And it was like, that you drink. You can't, you can't drink that. You and have like, to. Just by looking at you, <laughs> you were drinking a lot of that. You should burn that bourbon. Just set it aflame. It's bad. It's wicked. It's bad bourbon. Um, good bourbon is good. Hey, is that, is that the bourbon's fault? You're right. It's not, and we should never blame bourbon because bourbon is delicious. Yeah, you drink bourbon. What happens to it? I mean, it toilet. So, well, so does it all. Um, It's in the ground. (laughs) Well, okay, so. We can immediately go off the rails. I should start. So when's the show Wait, what's starting? What's this podcast about? Wait, um, it's hard to say. Um, I initially scheduled this podcast, by the way, for February 29th because I decided that a day that does not exist is much more menacing. But it's actually March 1st, and we're here to talk about Bigfoot to start. And uh, Seth is our resident, like, like he's the closest friend of Bigfoot, is how I would put put it. Though uh, Zach is also Actually, Zach is wearing never, a Bigfoot shirt. However, so yeah. I'm merely wearing my a eternal shirt. shirt. I, I've never met Bigfoot. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I just I just want I don't want to front. I've never met Sasquatch. I, I would like to. Life cool, but we're all rooting uh, for you. I'm the friend in spirit. The friend no, in spirit. No, yeah. No. Thank you. I appreciate That's that. Support. It means a lot to me. A strong supporter, I would say. I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I <laughs> so, things to come true. <laughs> um, if you, Seth, would you be willing to sort of sum up Bigfoot and your feelings towards him initially, and then we'll get into the hilarious news story about him? 
Bigfoot or Sasquatch, as we call, is also known uh, here and by Native communities in, in North America, is a um, bipedal creature, uh, humanoid form that lives in the woods. Uh, we tend to think of him being primarily in the Pacific Northwest, uh, sort of Western Canada. Uh, there's been sightings of him all over. There's sort of regional variants of Sasquatch. In the south, in the swamps, you have the skunk ape, and the swamp ape, grass man, and, uh, and so what you're trying to think of other places. Uh, there's one in, in Oklahoma that gets spotted every now and then, sometimes like Appalachians, like in Georgia. Mm. Appalachians, they, they spot him. So it's Scary human-like creature. The limits of our imagination and the corner of our eyes in these sort of dark landscapes that just are, you know, make up America. Again, poetic. I like this already. Very good. Beautiful. Beautiful. That was beautiful. Um, but why? I mean, why Bigfoot over any other type of creature? Like, why did Bigfoot capture your heart to the extent that he that he did? Seth, because I feel ours. like he has. He, he, he's, he's really ours. Um, you know, like a lot of the legends are, you know, they're like Europe has a million legends. Europe has like dragons and mermaids and all that crap. And, uh, you know, the Loch Ness monster that they've been seeing since medieval time. And then, and then there's, you know, the, like America, like, you know, you, you think of traditional American mythology, you think of the, Sort of the the stories that are different uh, nations tell, like you know, like like in the Southwest, you know, a lot of nations tell stories about like, uh, or you know, up north is the Wendigo or whatever. Uh, of all those things, the Bigfoot is the one that people sees. That's that's interesting. That's, I mean, there's also, I think we'll get to him a little later, but there's also the Yeti who, I guess you could say, is the cousin of of Bigfoot. Um, and I have some... Uh, Yeti in Australia. They have one in China. They, uh, I forget what they call it. They have one in Australia called the Yowie. Oh, I didn't know that. See, this is... This there's is one in, like, Indonesia that's called Orang or something. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's Orang something that is in the Indonesian jungle that... Um, it's there's like almost every culture has like a, a hairy wild man that lives out in the um, woods. Sasquatch is ours. Sasquatch yeah. is ours. You don't. We don't have dragons. We don't have. That's not with that attitude. Got, <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. Is that uh, what's keeping us from having dragons? Uh, your attitude. Yes, actually, it is. It's, you need, you need to shape up. Mm -hmm. You have to. Believe. Um, you do. What about I mean, the Mogion monster? The what now? The Mogion monster. Have you yeah, heard of that? Yeah. yeah I just read that. Read about that during. Re it was it's the, like the Arizona version of uh, Bigfoot, I guess. Oh God, there is. Reading up this week. Yeah, yeah, I was really surprised. But I guess he's like in the. I guess it's like the central part of the state, the more foresty. Yeah, the area. Gila wilderness, the Gila area of central New Mexico. It's. Uh, 
it's huge. It runs down into the southern part of the state. It's it's just this huge wilderness area. Uh, I'm not at all surprised somebody had seen one in the Gila wilderness. You could you could life in the Gila wilderness area and never and not see everything. It's just a a big area full of nooks and crannies. It that's, is amazing. That's what adds to the credibility of these these fine creatures, you know, like to to, to be so uh, presumptuous as to assume that we know like all that lurks in the Himalayas or uh, and even in some of the U.S. wilderness areas would it would be presumptuous. So there's always the hope yeah. that there's somebody lurking. Um, not to bring bring down things into skepticism, but. Uh, I did find, um, I was looking at the origin of the term Bigfoot, and I, I was reading up a little story from uh, 1895 where there's a legendary grizzly bear that they were calling Bigfoot, and uh, they were saying that he had been running amok for 13 years and had killed a thousand sheep in his time and has had many fights with sheep herders. Uh, Oh, this is San Francisco Chronicle blurb from, from back in the day. So, you know, I, I, I was, I don't know uh, as much as Seth does, especially about this. And I noticed that everybody, you know, the uh, various natives have uh, stories of, of wild men, but the name Bigfoot itself, I guess, has, uh, you know, its origins in a, in a big old bear that may or may not have existed either. Well, and also just, you know, the, the Bigfoot is, is, Usually, when Bigfoot, there's a Bigfoot sighting, and Bigfoot's usually huge, you know, mm-hmm. eight, eight to nine feet tall, huge, broad shoulders. Foster casting make of his footprints are always at like this sort of very distinct bump where your like that joint where your big toe, your foot, like there's always this really distinct bump there and these kind of crazy ridges. So, so like, like that's it's, it's really apt name for for this cryptid um no uh, i'm trying to think of, there's that famous picture like the took the really famous footage of bigfoot sort of walking through through the california wilderness and they got those gas rolling up those gigantic feet yeah that's the classic footage i will say that um I, I I guess I'm mixing my Yetis and my Bigfoots recklessly here, but I was reading up um, on Sir Edmund Hillary, our uh, our official guy who climbed Everest along with Tenzing Norgay. Uh, although if you don't know that, people, why are you listening to this podcast? I, don't, I can't stand the side of you. But um, in 1959, Edmund Hillary was doing some sort of more legitimate stuff up in the Himalayas, but he also decided to poke around and see if he could find a Yeti. And there was a uh, supposedly 200 plus year old Yeti scalp that he borrowed from a Nepalese village. Um, and he did like a little press conference and this dude who uh, was Basically, just full on believing in it. The guy from the village named Kumjo Chumbi. Pardon my white, my epically white pronunciation there. But he says that his children saw a yeti, and it was about the size of a ten-year-old child. So that's kind of a new thing. Um, but he has an, he had an amazing quote though that I, I have to read um because sir Edmund hillary you know eventually was like okay the, the so-called yeti scalp is clearly made out of a goat and 
you know, the footprints that are supposedly bigger are a smaller animal. Um, and this, the melting snow kind of uh, made it look bigger. And so old, old Hillary was a bit of a skeptic. Um, but our friend uh, Chumby the uh, Sherpa said, we don't believe in giraffes and lions in Nepal because there aren't any there. Likewise, you don't believe in yetis because you have none in your country, which I think is a really great summation of like a really poetic subjectivity that I don't know, it makes me kind of happy to read that. Okay, there's, so there's also, um, it's called the, the, I'm sorry, Zach? Oh, I was saying also in Nepal, when I was reading, I was researching those uh, Sir Fredman Hillary uh, notes he sent, Lucy, and uh, Tom Slick uh, stole the, oh. the, the Pingbush hand, the Ping, Pingbush hand, I think I'm saying that right, which was supposedly a Yeti hand. Oh, you, oh this you, is the best and, story. <laughs> and so he, yeah, so he, there, there was this hand that it was at a monastery and supposedly, um, yeah, it had belonged to a Yeti. And so Tom Slick, who was another, in 1957, he convinced Jimmy Stewart to uh, sneak it out of the country for him. What? So Jimmy, so Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> who, who I love Jimmy Stewart and I love oh, him yeah. more after hearing this, but he, uh, <laughs> he snuck uh, this, this supposed Yeti hand out of the country in his wife's lingerie bag. No. Uh, because supposedly Stop, the, 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 the inspectors would. <laughs> it's true. This is the story. This is yeah. the story. Have, yeah, the only source I have is the internet and very, uh, very close. <laughs> Never was the anything sources. on the internet, just to be clear. But but this I, is, I believe it, though. Yeah, I believe is... it. Uh, Jimmy yeah, Stewart, you might know, you might know more this about was it, like for the but... patriotic, like, this is for the greater good of America because he was like, <laughs> like, he, <laughs> he was a brigadier general, and he, right, yeah, he, yeah. Stayed, yeah, he stayed in the military after World War II, and you know he, he rose to the ranks as a, a man of importance in, in our in the early Air Force. And this guy being like, "Look, if there's a if there's a Yeti out there, we can't let the Russians get it. We have to know everything <laughs> we can about it first. Oh man, gap." <laughs> everything is radioactive cinders tomorrow. You have to do this for America. And then Jimmy Stewart just like, <laughs> oh, like, oh, just, oh yeah, for some reason, I was just patriot. I was just reading about Jimmy Stewart <laughs> having been in the Air Force longer than I realized. I knew he was like kind of supposed to be a World War II badass for actors, but he was in there until like the sixties. Um, and I have no memory of why I was reading about this. Yeah. More importantly, why they didn't mention any Yeti hands in what I was reading. Um, clearly a bad source for information. Okay, but we're missing the important New Mexico story and the important uh, pending legislation that I, as a libertarian, am sort of conflicted about, but honestly, I am against it because, well, um, would anyone would anyone like to uh, sum this up for us? I have I have the bill available. I have I have the documents um, in my hands. But <laughs> are they actual confirmed documents? Uh, well, I printed them from the internet, so they're clearly not real, just like everything else. <sighs> um, yeah. So all all I know it says you probably know more about it, Seth. But uh, all I know is that it is that it. Uh, it doesn't allow taxpayer use for hunting Bigfoot, but then they also mentioned several other uh, mythical beings and cryptids in there. Uh, they don't mention Tupacabras, which is, you know, that's a whole other story and a whole other... Um, oh, oh, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get to him whole, eventually. A whole, 
a whole other case. But uh, um, so I'm wondering, you know, what all it excludes in the actual bill. All right. Well, uh, this is, you're 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 making a very valid point. But we got to back up and set the scene for the good people at first, though. Um, and that involves a man, a an educa an educator who decided that it was time to um, it was necessary to go on a bigfoot hunt with the fine people of New Mexico. These students. Um, I'm trying to find my best summation of this. Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, Professor Dyer, Christopher Dyer, um, held an on-campus conference at the University of New Mexico, February 2016, entitled Bigfoot in New Mexico, Evidence, Ecology, and Behavior. Following the conference, Dyer went hunting for the elusive creature. Uh, the, the problem being that taxpayers footed the bill for, uh, like, nearly $7,500. And I object to the fact that these people were staying in hotels. Um, I mean, that's not very, that, that, you know, if you're hunting Bigfoot, you got to get out there with Bigfoot. I feel like you can't be staying in hotels. Yeah, you have to be in the woods. Yeah. You got to be yeah, like, he's not be in the hotels. Right. He's not, he's not. And he's not, <laughs> he's nocturnal. So, you know, right. There's all, you have to be out there. I mean, that's what makes me think this is more of a sham is because they weren't, their hearts weren't in it. Um, their hearts weren't pure enough for Bigfoot. And I, I find that disheartening. But, Seth, your expertise? Would you, uh, as you somebody who's in college in New Mexico and, and a Bigfoot person, I have to say that um, compared to the uh, amount they spend on, on college football, that's just absolutely abysmal. Uh, and, hunt, and hunting Bigfoot, if I had to choose between one of those, I would rather have Bigfoot studies than the absolute worst football teams in in nation. Um, right. I mean... I think you... <laughs> go on. There, there's, there's... Colleges spend money on really, on really dumb things all the time, and I think Bigfoot is something that a lot of money on no but is it spending near as much as they are in like college football is is detrimental to um the educational system is college football no i do think that um a lot of research that gets done in academia is inherently um unprofitable mm -hmm. and that's kind of one of the things that the academy exists for is to don't aren't aren't inherently profitable or don't have a profit base in them. Uh, I think I about uh, the mating calls of birds in of tropical birds, like in Central America and the way that the males would sort of learn and adapt these mating calls in the most action, they would want to sound like him because clearly his song were And this is like completely unprofitable. There's like no market information, but it's just, good cool information to have you know it just the fact that it exists sort of enriches humanity in some way and i can't think of something that would enrich humanity that exists all right all right <laughs> okay now I, I will say that from what i was reading um earlier 
Uh, Sir Edmund Hillary's Yeti adventure was partially sponsored by, it said, an American encyclopedia company, which sort of is strangely fitting. Um, I, I'd have to look more into that. But like that, you know, the libertarian in me, which is all of me, um, you know, is definitely for Amer like, you know, be having a sponsored journey to investigate Bigfoot. But Seth is not wrong about this. All of the dumbest or even evil things that are, are funded by the taxpayers. I, you know, I'm, some people in New Mexico are clearly different, but I would not be that riled up about this because I would yeah. rather people go hunting for Bigfoot than almost anything I can name besides like hiring public defenders for people. <laughs> and just to give you some, just to give you some background, I was, I was a, uh, Mexico State University in the early 2000s, like right after, like I was, I was in class and that happened uh which is a different story an interesting story but for another another episode but um the the also nearby and so we got there's a lot of research associated with that from the university and you could for a while you know you could always go take like a study you could always participate in a study for like beer money like here's 20 bucks you know take a rorschach test and we'll tell you if you're a serial killer or not <laughs> uh one of them was um they were having people just like just dudes right off the street and the profile was like basically like college age males fly simulators are for drones and this is right before the drone program got really crazy so and that's what they're doing in colleges that was what they were doing in colleges when i was an undergrad is they were experimenting on on how easy it would be for them to pilot drones uh you want to spend money on drone warfare? You want to spend money on Bigfoot? <laughs> but just kill that many innocent. See, and I would rather them, um, if I were in one of those studies, I'd rather them send me with a knapsack and a few people out into the woods. <laughs> a knapsack? <clears throat> and that's just me. I mean, yeah, you know, I guess depending on how long you're going to go for, you know. Um, and, I, <laughs> and ideally, they'd be doing the study when I was like a little kid. So it'd be like a kid Bigfoot hunt. That would, that would be thing. There's like a recurring thing with Bigfoot sightings is that Bigfoot a lot of times is like attracted to peanut butter. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Another. And so I think it's like throw some, throw some, which is like the most like, like eight year old, I'm going to go find Bigfoot. <laughs> right, yeah. Like school backpack, <laughs> put some peanut butter sandwiches and flashlight in it. And one of the woods. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the spirit of discovery that we want to foster. And, I agree. Um, I was going to say that uh, a knapsack reminded me of this memo, again, from the Yeti hunt, which suggests that in case Yeti is traced, it can be photographed or caught alive, but it must not be killed or shot at except in an emergency arising out of self-defense. All right. Um, all photographs taken of the animal, the creature itself, if captured alive or dead, must be surrendered to the government of Nepal at the earliest time. I think that's pretty. I mean, the government governments aren't great, but like that's yeah. that's a very Before. that's a very reasonable. Uh, if you're for a, a yeti hunt, I, yeah. I think I approve of that. You know. Yeah, and that's before it goes to press. So ideally, you could take it to, you know, you could you could have press about it or you know that sort of thing mm -hmm. first, right? There are reports of both the yeti and, and Sasquatch abducting abducting humans. Live with them for a time. For what reason? It's usually, I mean, it's really hard to discern, like why hanging out with like loggers or like 
you know. Can they have peanut butter? What? I, can, I can see the yeah, <laughs> Again, the eight-year-old's response, whereas my mind is going to the disturbingly <laughs> successful, um, you know, like, candle erotica that no, that's ex- that's where we were all going with it. We were, we were all, you're right. We were all going there. Now, I've never read any of that. I have wished that I could think of something so stupidly brilliant as some of those um, topics because, you know, in hopes to bring in all the money and and either admit happily that I had made such money off of paranormal erotica or never speak of it. I'm not sure which I would do. If I, but- I was making If I was making beer money off writing, like, like Sasquatch porn, I would tell everybody at the bar, Every time I was if hey, showing around so. because I wrote Sasquatch porn. Um, but I like I if I was buying a, if I was buying everybody a beer, they they think it was hilarious. I that would be I would be a proud yeah. beer. I would I would drink that. I would toast you. It would be beautiful. Um, oh God, my mind has gone to terrible things. Okay, so yeah, the the Yeti guidelines. There's. In future podcasts, um, I think we'll be discussing, you know, space aliens more, um, maybe multiple podcasts, because aliens are a very rich subject, not to say Bigfoot and his can or not. Um, But somewhere in one of my UFO books, that's actually just a compilation of, like, official government UFO musings, there's talk of, like, what, um, what kind of criminal offense would be if, like, a human killed an extraterrestrial. And they were considering some, like, misdemeanor level of things. And I was very offended on behalf of the ETs. And this Yeti thing, it doesn't say, you know, what the consequences for killing a Yeti unjustly would be. But, you know, the guidelines are still very clear. And I think that that shows some respect for the Yeti that is lacking in sometimes yeah. in other well, theoretical... Also, I mean, if you're living in America, you're living in a country that refused to acknowledge the essential humanity of... pretty much anyone who doesn't look like me for a long time. So, I mean, like, it's going to take a while. If aliens show up, it's probably going to take a while before we acknowledge them as human beings. Yeah, oh, God, that's so, a... And sort of like fellow creatures with rights and, and, and dignity. And, that's a serious, like, real talk and, like, a giant philosophical, philosophical can of something. Yeah, yeah, that's a big... That's, like, a legitimate big deal life question um you're getting too real <laughs> it's too real but sorry, also sorry. Of course, if, the, if the aliens make it here i'd be more concerned about them having the technology to make it here and the power i would hope they were they had more interest in humanity than we did oh yeah i mean you, you hope it's not you know some alleg- allegory for imperialism like war of the world style like right but when you think all the way yeah. here you know I mean, I've had. Well, there's a. There, I mean, that's, uh, aliens have scared me I since Bigfoot, I was Bigfoot. little, but I also find them very, very interesting. Um, and they actually. I mean, Big, Bigfoot. On, on that level, you know, is sort of like a metaphor for kind of the other, uh, you know, is hairier than we are, which, you know, in our culture is usually considered, you know, more like primitive and sort of lesser, and he lives in the woods and, you know, he's kind of like. Yeah, yeah. There's sort of like a, a ethnic quality to Bigfoot. You know, the heavy brow and the pronounced and the broad shoulders, sort of big, swarthy, hairy creature that lives in the woods. That like, bad could be good, but it's you know kind of weirds us out that they're out there. 
Yeah, and, and I know that um, stories of wild men are you know predate this, but like the you know my little blurb I found about the the the, the legendary bear they were calling Bigfoot from the eighteen eighties. That's like closing of the West type stuff. So you can always go for the obligatory. Uh, America has reached the the other coast, and you know we've tamed the wild land. But is there anything lurking left that has not been tamed? Sort of sort yeah, of nonsense. You know, I mean, you can't. That's obligatory in America. Um, to uh, yeah. Totally tangentially, when I realized that um, Buffalo Bill, you know, the Wild West type shows were going on, basically, it's like the West kind of closed, and the the, the 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 you know the Wild West shows were like a week later, and that's you know America loves its its stories about itself so much. Some that of that stuff was simultaneous. It was concurrent, like uh, Heroes. Of, it was like Heroes of the Border or something. It was like a play that Wilbur Hickok and Ned Buntline and 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 basically Buffalo Bill and Wild Bill Hickok would take some time off from their job being out in the in the Wild West doing Toby in this play about you know fighting Indians and scalping people and, sh and you know, shooting people. And so there was, you know, it was just the gore. There was gunshots all the time and just like buckets of fake blood everywhere. And so it was just the, you know, the goriest impact, just garbage plays, but they would, they would take time off of their real life, go play a fictionalized version of themselves on the stage. Okay, well, you know, this run of shows is done. Now I have to go back to Dodge city and go back to like the head and collecting bribes from like, so it's, it's you know it's just it's just interesting to me like rethinking the world war ii they these about battles that happened in world war ii like a, almost like the second the battle is over like i think the wake the wake island movie came out within months of that that battle happening that's a good point i always forget how long we've been doing that i mean casablanca i mean i i, I remember being reminded um of like a, like by like a crack list or something that Casablanca was came out in forty two or forty three, and there's the scene where they all sing the uh, the French national anthem, despite the uh, the Nazis lurking. Um, it's a solid national anthem. It's my favorite one. Makes you want to storm a prison. Um, but people point out that's you know they're doing this before the liberation of France, so there might be very well be some real emotion in there. Um, and we've, we've it's so hard it's so hard not to get choked up watching that scene in twenty seventeen, and I can't imagine how stirring and how emotional that would make you watching it in 1940. Well, the thing is, like, Cosmoga, nobody watched it in 1942. It's not. I think it's, like, one of those movies, like, like It's a Wonderful Life that sort of took on a second life. Probably didn't do right in theaters, but I, I, I could be wrong about that. No, that was right. Yeah, like, it did better once it was on public domain, and, um, and I guess it was showing, channels would show it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like a revival hit. Yeah, but can you imagine how like how how like, hand. wild? <laughs> just, to, like, just to clarify, I love that. <laughs> that, that would be watching it in 1942. Oh yeah, a stirring moment of of, of resistance to, to this enemy that you're not sure you're going to win against. You know, next year you could be taking German lessons for all you know. Uh, You'll learn German without lessons, or uh, they'll 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 take care of you. Um, yeah, and uh, one reason this is so tangential, but like Casablanca I, I, is great because I also like because it's so you know it was a play, an unproduced play, um, and it's not as propaganda-y as some things that are like 
And then we kicked ass in that particular battle and America was awesome. It's more like, here are some emotions related to the conflict that is happening right now. So, and our well, inexplicably like French Vichy captain, which is still a little bit infuriating, even if he's the best character. <laughs> Why is he British? Doesn't make any sense. Oh. Makes me mad. All and the French are British in movies. That's, oh, that's a whole, yeah. Like old Hollywood? <laughs> that only understood they don't know any better. Yeah, they only understood like two accents in, in old Hollywood. It was like, hey, we understand the British accent. This is like a variation of sort of French. Mexicans, those are just desert French people. <laughs> They're swamp Mexicans. And Italians are, Italians are like French people. And it's like, so it's like every accent in old Hollywood movie is just like on this like baseline of like, Hires a vacation in France one year or something. And it's just, it, I don't know, it's really entertaining to me. I could do an entire podcast complaining about accents in old Hollywood movies, but I can't because that's <laughs> not the subject. Because um, like, like old Hollywood movies understand the difference between like a Bronx and a Brooklyn accent, but they're like, <laughs> nah, they just, you know, nah, they just, just have them talk slower. And then I'm going to start thinking about James Coburn's Australian accent in The Great Escape and get get angry again. Or everyone's accent in On the Beach, um, even though only Gregory Peck is supposed to be American. And But we'll save that for our apocalyptic podcast, which will totally happen one of these days. Um, I don't know how to steer this back to, to, to the Bigfoot. Um, there were some other important... I just want to read this whole bill to you. So the bill introduced by... Uh, Senate, New Mexico Senate Bill 243, 53rd Legislature, State of New Mexico, first session, introduced by George K. Munoz. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm white people pronouncing, pronouncing, pronouncing. It's all about how public funds shall not be extended for, you know, faculty member, period of absence, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the, the, the key part is public funds shall not be extended by a state higher educational institute for the purpose of looking for or catching a fictitious creature, such judgmental language, including oh. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, <laughs> Yeti, Abominable Snowman, I mean, redundancy, Pokemon, Leprechauns, or the Bogeyman. Uh, effective date, July 1st, 2017. So there's still time. <laughs> there's still time, folks, to yes. get your, your New Mexico subsidized paranormal hunts in. All right. I'm gonna sign me up. This is so a very so, so that list is just so random. Like where, like I guess well, they're, they're looking for like bigfoot type creatures, right? But it's is that like, the idea? Well, it sounds, it's not. It sounds mocking, but it, it's it's interesting the way that it mocks because it mostly talks about like like things that white people believe in. <laughs> That's like Pokemon. Mexican and and the different and you know different tribal. Or like this whole cosmology of yeah. strange, you know, um, uh, and uh, not the like this person speak on this, but like you know, like wolves and dwarves and uh, lechuzas, which are like with the face of a woman that would go to like sort of like castigate cheaters and like Yorona, and there's like this whole cosmology of these other creatures that are you exist in New Mexico folk. Culture, and they're just like no chasing the white, the crazy stuff white people believe. 
even. Right. So. It's it's so mocking, but so limited. It's literally a bill to basically say you can't hunt for Bigfoot. Or Yeti doesn't even live in America, dude. Like, get it right. Um, you know, I guess that means you can outlaw state subsidized uh playing of pokemon go which i guess you know is is is, is probably for the best but you know it, it you you it's a very limited list and it doesn't include for example aliens um which is interesting because well that that cuts into that cuts into roswell's big thing like you don't right it's i think the absence of aliens very interesting and Roswell's in the oil patch in New Mexico, so that you know they have a little bit of influence because that's kind of most of New Mexico's economy is based on on oil. I want to make the, the Roswell guy mad? That's that's yeah. where New Mexico is getting all its money. So aliens, aliens are sacrosanct, you know. And they're yeah, they're not listed as pictures, and neither are ghosts because I imagine that you know you could say Mexico oh is haunted. yeah, southern New Mexico so especially haunted. yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, remember the witch's grave, Zach? The Messiah graveyard? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like this super haunted restaurant. Restaurant? A haunted restaurant? Is yeah. it open? It's open for business. Oh, oh. Yeah, you can go uh, eat. Yeah, I, can. I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know if I want to go all, there. All of Messiah it, it, it's cool is haunted. Oh. Oh, it's haunted. Yeah. Shit. Zach's family's from Messiah. I, I didn't know. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's, I don't know. In fact, Zach is probably related to at least a quarter of the ghosts in the CIA. They're probably Zach's Yeah, that's, that's why they're so nice to me. So, that's uh, probably that's why my, true. That's why my enemies disappear. Um, I, I, I just find it interesting yeah. what, that, you know, maybe, as you say, like, it's probably total politics to exclude uh, aliens. And ghosts, you might, you know, offend people even on, like, a vaguely religious ground. Like, you might think you're mocking, like, state-subsidized ghost-busting uh, kind, of, kind of bullshit, but people might have gotten mad. So it's, it's a weird list, um, but it also has many loopholes. I mean, there's... Right. We, we can talk, like, we're going to devote, um, hopefully, if, 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 you, and if either of you object, maybe next um, episode to more stuff about aliens. And I was reading about Project Blue Book, which uh, lasted for more than 20 years, and it was the Air Force looking into UFOs. And is that not state-subsidized, like, nonsense? It's, it's very Cold War-y. You can always... You can excuse everything with it's the Cold War, so anything suspicious flying around is probably the Russians. But if it's aliens, we'll check on that, too. But, you know, that's not listed, and that's clearly not unprecedented unprecedented to have government subsidized alien hunting so you know leave bigfoot alone uh and see but but what don't. if you're out hunting for like say like aliens or a chupacabra or like ghosts or whatever and then boom there's bigfoot you know the law doesn't really <laughs> cover that so really you could have a mock bigfoot hunt see, the law is you know, very limited oh, and that's my I'm theory so that's my you know that's my biggest theory on bubbles. bigfoot is that uh, about Bigfoot is that he thrives off of your surprise and indifference. So if you are looking for Bigfoot, you're probably not going to find him. But if you're just out in the woods trying to have a nice time in your mind, he's going to show up and just be like, just see enough of him to like throw, throw your entire life, cast your entire life into doubt. 
Oh, it's like, man. well, I don't, I don't know what that was. That's existential. <laughs> yeah. Heavy. Bigfoot's so Bigfoot heavy. Bill, is what you're telling us. Oh, no. Yeah, but, no, he's not a villain. I don't, I don't think he's a villain so much as he's just sort of like. He wrote the bill. Where he's just like, I'm going to give you an encounter with this otherworldly, make you reconsider. You. But then, you that know, means what you reconsider the bounds of reality. That means Seth will never find him because he wants to to meet him too much. He'll slip from your grasp. That's. I have to have a, I have to have a, an excuse for why I haven't seen Bigfoot that gives my life meaning, and that is the one that I <laughs> I'll allow it. I will allow it. Um, yeah, I, I've heard uh, I've heard uh, some some not particularly credible people, possibly some of them related to me, suggest that about aliens. Um, you know, if you kind of give up, give off the vibe that you don't want to be abducted, they might leave you alone. But even well, that was a, that doesn't really like. I don't think like Whitley Stryber, assuming that he is not crazy, etc. Like he wasn't hungry for some alien abductions. Like I think that was just something they told me, so I would uh, stop being freaked out by Mars attacks because I was nine and didn't understand that it was hilarious at that time. I didn't. It is though. It's place. It's also frightening in a way. You know. Well, it's got this. They don't care. They zap yeah. everybody. <laughs> it and, and you know the dog dies. Uh, the president dies. Um, yeah. Spoilers galore. Sorry. Sad thing. Like, the oh, dog. They wiped out you know, most of the government. Yeah, no, the dog. Yeah. Like, no, oh, the, they wiped out most of the government. The, the, like, the dog's death yeah. violates so like what we Frank thought we swamp, knew. You know what I mean. It, it's what we thought we knew about movies like that is that dogs are victorious, like in Independence yeah, Day. And token, fire doesn't move always, like that, no one cares because the dog survives. <laughs> token, we always knock, uh, oh, well, we know there, we know nothing's going to happen with the dog. We know the dog is going to survive. And Tim Burton was the one guy who's like, oh, you guys think you want that? You guys think you really think you want that? Just let me show you how bad you're going to feel. There's well, a horror movies, I guess, is the opposite. There's always like the dog is the first character to die. Oh, so they have you to, know, like they have to escalate to the you know, attack the block. Uh, the, the people, yes. the dog. That I love that movie, but the dog. Oh, oh, that's it breaks the heart. That dog. Yeah, that dog deserved better. Um, there's there is a website I think it's called Does the Dog Survive dot com or something where it's literally just devoted to this for people who cannot handle watching a dog be imperiled on screen. <laughs> I don't think there's a Does the you know Adorable Child Die dot com, but they usually survive too, so it's okay. My biggest problem with the Spielberg War of the Worlds is like at least one of these kids should have died. Oh, and I, I well because they just. Them time doing the stupidest things and it's like are we really making this movie about an alien invasion major themes like the self-actualization of an eight-year-old girl like are we really doing this in this movie that movie that my problems with the remake it was too uh, I uh like it was too personal for an alien invasion movie yeah like, all right bye dad i'm gonna go off and die killing aliens like no you're not what? What? oh my god i'm so angry about that movie because Part of the visuals, <laughs> the tripods are awesome. They make a scary sound. Some of the yeah. guys, it's the 9-11 allegory uh, stuff I actually like. Um, I mean, there are some really good, really bleak scenes, like on, on the, the river ferry and like the thing with the train going by on fire. And like, there's a lot of amazing stuff. And the second that 
the like Blandy McTeen is like, you have to let me go, Dad, because I'm, I guess, a metaphor for the dumbass adolescent response to 9-11. I have to run off to join the military, though I, you know, have no training whatsoever. Um, as soon as that happens, and then they meet, um, what's his face? Tall, tall, McLiberal pants. Um, <laughs> Oh, uh, Tim Robbins. Thank you. Thank you for coming there with me. Um, chewing all the scenery in the basement, and then everything is awful from then on. But yeah, I desperately want to see a War of the Worlds that's actually set when the book was written um, with the technology to match. I mean, you have to clean it up and make a better narrative out of it because it's kind of rambling and wandering. But and, and I also, H.G. Wells just hated everyone that wasn't like a Victorian English person. Well, I mean, it's... I, to, wasn't he in the anti-imperialist league though, along with uh, Twain and people like that? I thought he was a little. He was a little. Uh, I mean, you you know, being <laughs> being fairly progressive for his time, right? That's <laughs> kind of having like shitty attitudes in the same way that like our grandchildren will probably think we're racist for nothing. Oh yeah, I look I look forward to that. For people <laughs> or whatever, you know. <laughs> Clones aren't real humans, and we just kind of when he says something about it, we all just kind of look the other way at Thanksgiving. <laughs> that would be um, well, but clones are going to be real humans. Come on, come on, future, come on, old man, Seth. Well, what uh, about like AI? Oh, well, that's what about, what about robot people? They're going to get kids? there, and that's a, and much like us, because that's yet another topic that's we should do. Um, <laughs> but they'll get there. I think it's going to take longer than a lot of people think. Um, Man, this is a this is a rich discussion, and as usual, it's gone off the rails, but in a fun way. Um, yeah, I was I, I was going to share with the class something else that I learned um, in the last week or two that I don't know, you know, how much time we should devote to it or whether I should save it up. But I was I was this is another um, sort of subtopic I'd like to explore in future shows, which is kind of local myths. Um, we kind of did that. I mean, as you said, um, Bigfoot is more Pacific Northwest, at least commonly understood. But obviously, New Mexico, you you both of you know much better than I do. Um, but I was trying to muse on local stuff to Pennsylvania, where I am, and I suddenly remembered the existence of what they called the Green Man. And Ooh. I think I've driven past where he supposedly wandered at night and there's this old bridge where he's supposed to lurk and all that kind of thing. I never paid much attention to it because it was another, you know, when I first heard about it, I was little enough to be like, oh, scary guy in the night. Don't talk to me about that because I, I, I have to be able to sleep at night. And I had heard vague rumors that the green man was real. Um, the way you generally hear it told is that this guy is green and has some sort of electricity based powers and he wanders at night. And I don't know the, exactly the details on what he was supposed to do. That was so bad, except to be a scary electricity guy. And the green man was a real guy. He was a real person that they called either the green man or Charlie no face, which is a lot more of a depressing moniker. <laughs> even though his name was uh, Raymond Robinson. And he was a guy who got hit by a power line when he was nine and became horrifyingly disfigured um, in a way that, you know, would scare people who, even people who weren't raised on horror movies necessarily. But he was just this blind, disfigured dude 
who used to go for walks at night so that people wouldn't be freaked out by his appearance. And everyone, you know, um, teenagers, like if you look even on Wikipedia, there's a couple of photos you can find of like stereotypical, like early 1960s teens kind of like loitering and smoking with this guy with his intense disfigurements. Um, and they would like, they would, somehow they, if people heard, heard about this dude and they would go looking for him and some of them were mean to him and some of them wanted to stay high and it says that he uh sometimes would talk to them or even pose for a photograph if they'd give him beer or cigarettes um and maybe he liked having a little bit of socializing but i'm sure some people were horrible to him um and i just like i i mentioned uh the green man to my father and he was like oh i heard about them you know him when i was a teenager and my father was born in 47 and he was born in Pittsburgh. Um, and this, the green man thing spread to Ohio because they're copycat jerks in that state making a stand right now and, um, other places around Western PA and just like against Ohio. Cause I, I could, I could maybe get with that. <laughs> I'm very opposed to Ohio. Ohioans. I know, but <laughs> it's just a bad state, but just like, it's so weird For that Ohio. this, we were like this is this is how I loop around um, and make our previous tangent make sense. This is yet another thing where the myth appeared as the real thing was going on, right? I mean, this actual human was going for walks at night, and these teenagers were telling each other about like this scary guy who walks around at night that you either have to go hunting for, not to, um, or you know, you have to watch out for, or what have you, and like. To become a scary story while you're alive and while this horrible thing happened to you is, it's very poignant and sad. Um, poignant uh, words. Um, there's, there's sort of a, there, there's sort of a, a sweet impression of a guy who's, who, who seems kind of nice. Like, like there's a sort of a niceness about him that you know he has no face. Formed in this terrible accident, so he goes out walking. It he doesn't. You know, it's safer for him, but also it's just, you know, he, he kind of understands it. That's so sad, though. I mean, because... He, he kind of understands that his, his presence is, is a little bit disturbing, so he kind of... So he goes out at night so as not to scare people, and he kind of stays in. I think it's... They said he used to, like, stay in, and during the days, he'd spend his days making, like, work, because, you know, you got to do something all day, and, and you guys would just... Stay in and, and do leather work and, and go on his walks at night and you know, but you know, yeah, give me a beer, I'll take a picture of you. Yeah, you, you sort of you sort of get this picture of a guy who's just like you know probably probably an okay guy. He's probably just like rolling rolling the best he can with some terrible circumstances. Yeah, but I just I hate that somebody like that thought he had to hide and then turned into this strange uh, boogeyman type figure, the one that was that approachable. Um, it reminds me of, you know, well, a fictionalized version, I recall, is um, in the, the, the historical fiction regeneration trilogy, which is all about World War One, and at some point the woman goes to a hospital and sees all the disfigured World War One veterans, and the kind of thing where they always put people like that out of the way, no matter if they're injured in a war or what. Um, and, you know, unless you're John Merrick and become this weird, like, toast of Victorian society, uh, in spite of or because of your your horrible disfigurement generally those people do feel like they have to hide and i always think about when i was little i watched um there was a fox show that was kind of 
tawdry, but in entrancing called uh, Guinness Prime Time that just had a bunch of record breaking. And one of the things was the guy with the most amputated face. And he obviously wore a prosthetic nose and other things. Um, and I guess oh he goodness. probably did go out occasionally because he had that. But they showed him without it. And I don't know how old I was. I was like 10. And I felt like legitimately queasy. And I also felt even then like, well, how bad is, how bad is it that someone's face can make you feel ill in that way? And I, uh, I just feel bad about that, that, that someone like that had to walk at what, night what, and become this scary story that someone like my father had no idea was a real thing and yet had heard it in passing and immediately went, oh yeah, the green man. I heard about that when I was a teenager. In my school, there were siblings and they were, it had these really terrible congenital deformed, and they deformed congenitally. They, I mean, uh, it wasn't anything that had happened to them. Um, but they would, or, I, I'm not sure exactly how, like how cognizant they were, what was going on around them, because they were, they had sort of wheel them in in chairs and stuff, but they made like no effort to like hide, hide these kids from, from other kids. And we were, I was probably like seven. So they would just like wheel them through the cafeteria at lunch, and it was to all of us because we didn't quite understand understand what was going on. And of course, it was a small it was a small town in rural West Texas. So I mean, everyone, I mean, we all knew where their I like you knew where their house was and knew who their mom was and everything. You know, they weren't from the town. They had just I don't know how they wound up there. Um, like. I, I, you know, like disturbing because didn't quite understand them other than so you guys are born their way and stuff. You're falling, you feel sympathy, but then you also feel really weird and guilty for weird feelings. You know, it's not the most. It was, it was like just it, it was kind of it would kind of put you off your lunch a little bit. Um, thought about that, and so it was just like why why. I'm, I'm sure they they had good intentions, but why are they doing this to a bunch of seven-year-olds and making seven-year-olds have these really weird, complex reactions to to the situation? Yeah, but maybe everybody, you know, whose appearance um, inspires a little bit of uh, feelings, they should just be everywhere more. I mean, again, other tawdry, yeah. seedy, kind of lowbrow, I guess is the word I'm looking for, shows like, like Mari or something would also have very disfigured people on. And, you know, or obviously yeah. freak shows back in the day where it's exploitation and other unpleasant things, but it was also often a way that people with problems could see the world and make money. And in some ways it was good for, you know, well, even, join twins and other people. So, Well, even Oprah had the lady who's like the, had her face ripped off by a chimpanzee. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll show you after the next class. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you're supposed to be better than that. You're supposed to be expecting <laughs> more out of you than in PT Barnum. Like, well, even though is it exploitation or is it like okay? Sometimes people have stuff that's wrong with them, and they look in a way that is going to scare you a little bit. And maybe the more you look, the more you won't worry. I mean, with things like World yeah. War One, I, I have um right up here on my desk a book called War Against War, which is kind of a propaganda in the more neutral way book. Um, it was made by a German commie, I think, between the world wars in an effort to say, dear God, let's never do that again. 
And there's a bunch of World War I photos, um, and they sort of get worse and worse as you go through it. And at the end, it's, there's just, just photos of disfigurements. And, you know, this gentlemanly, like, old-timey days war provoked the, just the most grotesque injuries. And I can't even look at it, barely. Um, I haven't looked at every page, and I, probably, I don't know if I will, but, like, things like that. performance. That serves a purpose, I think. Because, of, yeah. When also, like, like just this, that we had, war had gotten to this scale and destructiveness that had never been even you know, 20 years before that. And so I think people knew how, like, terrifying and destructive war was, but, just, like, you know, in the old days, was you know, you get stabbed with the sword, half your head gets chopped off. I mean, the old, a musket ball in the head, that stuff's kind of understandable, but you get to, like, well, you know, we... we you got gassed with mustard gas, and we, you know, hit him with a with an incendiary bomb, and it's these these this level of injury that I think was just completely unimaginable to people at the time. But I still think I mean it's still unimaginable. Maybe for a brief period, like in the '30s, um, when a lot of people, it seems to me, were praying and hoping it wasn't going to happen again. But a lot of people really were waiting for another war to happen, and they kind of it oh, felt, yeah. In, yeah. It felt inevitable to a lot of people. I mean, I just, you don't, you know, World War One is a long time ago, and you don't see war photos like that at all, especially in America, when we're too timid to even look at, you know, flag-draped coffins being a controversy, remember, during the early Iraq War and stuff. And I don't know, I don't know if, like, graphic stuff teaches a lesson that needs learning in all of these different cases, or if it just puts people off and they're, like, I'm not going to look at that. Um, in terms of more uh, of injuries... Another totally basic sort of example is when I had um, leg surgery when I was 14 and we went to the zoo. I went with my cousin who had cerebral palsy and we, uh, we were in New York and she was in a wheelchair. And so I didn't have to truck around on crutches all day. I also used one. And every little kid at the entire zoo, I remember, just stared at me. And I was like, oh, so this is what that's like for people. Just people just stare at you in a way that they don't stare at you if you're not in a wheelchair. Um, and maybe it's, you know, it's easier, even if it would be nice if the world was better, but interesting looking people provoke, yeah. especially children to pay attention. And probably that's why our friend, uh, the green man walked around at night. You can hardly blame him for taking mm -hmm. that easier route. It might've been easier to stay inside all the time. I mean, he, as, as Seth said, he at least went outside, you know, and, uh, that's something at least I don't know took in the air well I think the two should <laughs> bring that around to, to Bigfoot I think Bigfoot I um I think a lot of the uh, paranormal stuff sort of exists I, and sort of the lure of it or the hook to it is it, it's this sort of like fear of of monstrousness is sort of like these alternate forms the body can take you know uh like gray aliens kind of look like these fetuses that are up and walking around. <laughs> and then, you Worse know, than a fetus, like, yeah. <laughs> it feels like the big head, the big eyes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Very, very neotenous. And I think that, that that's sort of like the fear of, of these sort of alternate forms that the body can take. I think Bigfoot, there's definitely something like Bigfoot that is, it's like human body, but it's too big and it's too big and these really like big hands, big shoulders, big feet. It's hair, you know, hairy, hairy all over. It has these really pronounced facial features. So it's like this sort of like 
almost like, like reverting back to like a more primitive a more primitive form of our of ourselves like you know there's this guy in the forest and you know maybe you shouldn't spend too much time out there because you could you could wind up going back to you know sort of primitive form like you're gonna you know like like life is sort of like reverse pokemon and you're gonna <laughs> level down into being a neanderthal or something that's what we call it the reverse pokemon that's right reverse. yeah the official scientific terminology um Which man hunt we, that's there. right well not i mean privately funded i guess but don't hunt don't, funded, don't, don't hunt bigfoot right. that's not that's not right that's he's a peaceful he's a peaceful creature as right. far as we know uh we have talked for a long time because you fellows are too entertaining and so is this subject and we didn't really even get to country music besides um <laughs> my hatefulness at the beginning of this well what if you what, you guys, what's everybody listening to this in the world of country music? Well, I'm being totally generic for me in that I saw Shoals and Rope um, a couple of days ago. I hadn't seen them in a couple of years, and I didn't know that Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, could ever care as much as they did. Um, the venue, which is an old church, was sardine can-like. Um, oh, wow. And I was kind of impressed by the enthusiasm Pittsburgh had, but was also completely annoyed and vaguely homicidal because the crowd was, of course, still obnoxious in, in most cases. But um, they're still wonderful. And that's... Well, they had a baby, didn't they? Recently? Yeah, I started creeping on their Instagram, and they have a cute baby now. Oh, that's awesome. Listen to Country Wise yeah. this week. Country Wise, uh, you know, I'm listening to a lot of Casey Musgraves. Um, oh. material. That last album. Well, she had a Christmas album, too. It was pretty good, but for her last you know, regular album pageant material is just one of the best things I've listened to in a long time. So I, I love this. myself gravitating to that, to that pretty often. Uh, I, like I know Zach and I are both sort of like a, a obsessive sort of like completest record collectors. And I, I don't know about you, Lucy, but I don't consider Christmas albums to be canon. That, there's I'm, a logic to that. I, there's a logic yeah, to like, that. Like, like, that like, makes sense. That I'm completest yeah. about, like the the Christmas album is always like, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's worth yeah. like a, a dabble into it, but it's it feels like a novelty album unless you, you know, I don't know. I, I I'm okay with Christmas. What can you really do with a lot of the songs? You know, I I kind of prefer like eerie boys choirs if I want to listen to Christmas yeah. music at Christmas. Um, everything else smacks of a novelty song ninety percent of the time. Um, I think I had bookmarked on Spotify yeah, actually. Kinda- the Casey Musgraves Christmas album because I was like, if I happen to be on Spotify, maybe I'll dip into it. But I didn't, you know, I didn't really. Um, yeah, I, I have this. So- it, it would. I mean, she's she's good. I should listen to more of her full albums. I have the song pageant material on my sort of most recent Spotify playlist that I made that I've been listening to. So I've been listening to that song a million times, and yeah. it's. I love that someone who's like a bona fide babe, um, the way that she is, has made a song that says like she's not pageant material without like pretending that she's not a babe. You know, it's about attitude yeah. and they're the line yeah. of world peace, but you can't um, get it through wearing a swimsuit on a stage. Like it's great. It's such a good song. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. She's a smart. Her live show is a lot of fun because it's just, it's so, so kitschy. And oh it's really? Just, like, nice. In country, I think like with country, there's always sort of like a, 
because it's always like, well, we don't want to look like hillbillies in front of in front of the city people, and right. she, and she just embraces it. So, do light up nudie suits and have neon cacti in the background and hay bales on stage or whatever. Yes. Like, and she just yeah, kind of like goes at it with such. It it's it's fun. I I really enjoy it. I don't know if she ever makes her way uh, to Pennsylvania. A lot of people don't really very often, but I'll keep an eye out because I, as I said, I haven't rigorously listened to her full albums, but like, she's obviously so good that I should, um, I should dive even further into her work. Yeah. And I know about her because of you two. Um, and because of a podcast from days of yore where we discussed country music and pretended it had, oh. we were trying to pry it into something vaguely libertarian, but mostly just <laughs> recommended stuff to each other. I think. <laughs> yeah her albums are good i haven't heard her she has a few albums that she put out i think before she got got big like on those TV. disappeared though yeah. they were like I on spotify yeah, they totally yeah. Could, yeah. yeah. Um, if you were looking and they kind of yeah, disappeared conspiracy yeah. um so i'm hoping that you know they'll release them in some in some capacity but her uh yeah, her other two albums, in addition to the Christmas album, which has a few good originals on it. Um, <laughs> okay, fair Which enough. I'm not listening to now because it's not the season, but... It's not even yourself, July. I mean, you know, not that that was well, real anyway either, but... Right. <laughs> I don't know who invented um, Christmas in July. I'd rather not check. Yeah. Right. But her albums you can find are, are, uh, are really good. Good stuff. She's playing in Las Cruces, New Mexico, Seth. And oh, she is. I think in April she's playing some. Um, I wasn't sure if it was for real, but there's some like downtown festival thing she's playing. I think oh it's, yeah, the country music festival. Oh, um, I might have to. Go, I might have to go to that. <laughs> oh that's, yeah, that's what it is. That doesn't help me. It's a stone's throw yeah. away from me. You gotta get out west, Lucy. I know the west yeah. is totally better. Not, like let's abandon be real. those east From coast tacos teams. alone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, there are no tacos here. I mean. The dream of tacos on every corner. What was it? Taco cards on every corner? The idea that anyone thinks that that's like, oh my God, anything but that. I'm literally hungrier just thinking about tacos on every corner. I need to. Yeah, like, like what kind yeah. of person thinks? Like, like no, no one thinks that's, that's a bad thing. And if they are, they, they're just. Yeah. I mean, depends on the tacos, because you don't want like, because you don't want like poor quality tacos. Oh, dude, 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 oh, again, yeah. that's that like, awesome. My standard, like, like I cannot afford to be picky here. Taco stands, I can think of two. One where I used to live in, in, in a neighborhood called Oakland, um, uh, in, in more closer to actual Pittsburgh. I'm in an undisclosed location right now, but um, th- there was a, a little taco stand like on my on my walk back from the bus stop, which is probably something you people would enjoy, like you know, everywhere you live in the beautiful Southwest. But uh, this was an exciting novelty, and one day. They forgot to serve them um, at white people levels of spice, and that was a day to remember. Um, oh no! I like I tried. I tried even with like a full-on glass of milk, and eventually I had to give up because I was like too Scandinavian, can't do it. But still, tacos are delicious, and I wish I had one right now. Right now, uh, Seth, did you tell us what you were listening to? Or I am listening to the, and it's always a weird sentence, always weird sentence construction to say the new old 97s record. Oh, okay. The latest old 97s record. Uh, I'm listening to that, enjoying it very much. And there's a Sadie's record. uh, It came out uh, maybe a week or two, I think, before before the old 97s, or just kind of to my uh, stalwart bands. Um, 
Those are two I, I haven't listened to ways. enough, and I've managed to listen to more. So, no, yeah. duly noted. For like spooky sounding country bands, it sound like you know, like driving down scary desert highways late at night. The Sadies are the Sadies are your go to. Uh, that's that's what I'm doing country wise lately. Sounds good. I've um I've listened to the John Doe and the Sadies country album a couple of times um oh i wish they do another one it seemed like that was gonna yeah. be there's more than just one like they were gonna get back together and do another one yeah that was a good vibe i was i was i was into that um all 97s i, really I like haven't uh, i haven't really listened to at all i guess but they've always been vaguely on my list um so i should i should remedy that because obviously y'all were correct about casey musgrave so you might uh you might i am i'm like a missionary for the old 97s like like if you talk to me more than once i will probably try to make you listen to the old 97s all right well zach, after... is, is zach, is zach well knows so. yes. <laughs> that's why yes. he moved seth introduced stop, me stop stop stubbing the the i can't handle these old 97 yeah. <laughs> i have to leave the, the good news about that hour you accepted murray murray with your life i guess i should um it's what the, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, shit, they're really good. I mean, All Seth right. told me that, so you know, you're brainwashed. But <laughs> you might, you might. Like yeah, if you say otherwise in front of me, I haven't kept up know. with them very much. I don't think I've heard much of their last few. Yeah. Um, lap right now. A, another thing I was also listening to, which is even more basic on my part, is uh, Old Crow has like a best of album, which seems like a fairly random collection of things, but they also had two songs that were only in um bootleg form before not that i'm admitting to ever oh, okay. listening to bootleg things or, or of course like long lost scratchy demos from the ancient days of the late 90s or anything like that but it's fun that those songs have official releases right now so and you can yeah, find those nice yeah um so they're having they're releasing a live version of their blonde on blonde album right oh dude going on tour and releasing they are I and they're, hear that. They're coming to, um, really Pitt to that. Pittsburgh is not going to be deprived of that, apparently, which is cool. And I don't actually know Blonde on Blonde that well, because I am almost the opposite of a completionist. Completionist, I get stuck on, I mean, I can get stuck on an artist and listen to like all their albums. But sometimes, especially with someone like Dylan, where there's way too many and you don't know what to do, I will, yeah. you know, I, I know three or four of his albums fairly well. and. Blonde on Blonde, not as well. My mom has listened to it happily in the car, and I have happily been there as well. But I actually need to know Blonde on Blonde better yeah. before I go see them. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. It's, I mean, it's definitely one of his more hyped albums, but it's... Right, yeah. But, but, but it's one that's, like, for a reason, you know. It's really, you know, it has this, like, great joke at the beginning of the album, and then it ends with this, like, really long, beautiful love poem, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's good. It's uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's 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 a fun album. There's there's definitely like like air of like deliriousness to Blonde and Blonde. Like like you like you know like that sort of feeling you get when you're you've been up for like longer than twenty four hours, and sometimes you're really silly, and then so you're really sad. And, you know, just that, that's that sort of it, it's really a lot, a lot like that sort of emotional state. But I'm into that. That's yeah. that's an intriguing way of describing any kind of art thing that would make me want to investigate it further. So uh, fair enough. Yeah, my, I'm very strange. My favorite Bob Dylan song 
secretly in my heart is uh when i like the the one demo of when i paint my masterpiece where it's just him playing the piano and singing it i think like oh yeah in my soul that's my favorite that bob dylan nice. song honestly my top five I, is like very I, in my soul it's probably of him but that was lay lady lay because he seems when i was a, a little kid it's like oh i like this guy because it sounds like kermit the frog <laughs> yeah, I love Kirk Frog, so like, like that, that it's all my began for you. <laughs> uh, Lay, Lady, Lay, yeah. I haven't, there was a live version of that song I like a lot. I think it's on Hard Rain, but uh, I had that was, I could never really get into that very much. I don't know. Yeah, that, but, that song was never my favorite either, from what I've, yeah. And I think Old Crow even has covered that before, um, but I don't know. There's, it, was, there's, it was interesting. He was doing a smooth, like Elvis-inspired voice, I guess. Yeah, it's a little smooth yeah, for him, isn't time, it? So. And it's supposedly yeah. he'd stopped smoking, too, which had, had sort of changed the timber of his voice a little bit. Yeah. Part of the, his, what they call the country period. Yeah. There's a lot of... Uh, Stop smoking it, and back off the amphetamines, <laughs> and your voice is as smooth as... <laughs> as know. Kermit right. the Frog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, well, it's nice that there's not that. I mean, the dear Lord, please keep Bob Dylan with us for m many years to come. But I'm glad that there's a lot of Bob Dylan that I have yet to listen to. And some of it might suck yeah. and be weird. But I mean, there are defenders of even the, his weirdest periods. So I'm sure that yeah. there's there's days and days and days worth of Bob Dylan I've never heard even once. So that's good. I'm excited about that. Yeah, and a lot of his. <laughs> go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Zach. We're talking about Bob Dylan. We're never gonna was, stop. We're never gonna stop. Uh, Bob Dylan. You know, Bob Dylan albums find find you when you need them, and and it sounds corny, but that's that's kind of true. Like an album, I think like Bob Dylan albums. I just eh, I'm not really feeling this one, and you know, maybe uh, two years later, I just like not able to stop listening to it because it's just kind of you know, it, it just makes more sense now. It sounds better. The, the lines are a little catchier to you or something. So it's, I, I think that that's definitely true with, with those albums find you when you, you need them most. I think that that happens with music a lot to me. Like it can't click until it's ready to. And that's sometimes driven me crazy because I feel like I'm late to everything. And in this fragile world, sometimes, you know, people die or you don't get to see them live. I mean, um, I was crazy for Joe Strummer when I was like 15, which is, you know, and by the way, he died when I was like, 14 and 10 months <laughs> so like i always i don't know i always get annoyed that i seem to be late for stuff but it never it's like the, the stuff that clicks doesn't click until it's gonna click um shovels and rope god they're one of the few bands that i was actually on like my friend and i saw them open for justin towns Earl like six years ago oh nice and um cover bands or sorry opening bands so you know they can be bad they can be like sort of unobjectionable but you still want them to hurry up because you, you're not there for them and everyone knows it my friend and i were looking at each other like who the hell are these two when shovels and rope opened for justin towns and i've been following them since then because damn uh and we spent way too much time talking about bob dylan but you know why wouldn't we darn it um we should we should uh we should wrap up this this lovely party we're having we uh 
Well, I think next time I was thinking we should talk about aliens, um, and that's a very broad yeah. topic, and we might have to get a little more specific about it that. the extraterrestrial variety and not the Donald Trump is having a connection fit on Twitter variety. <laughs> Those aliens I'm all for and I'm not afraid of. Admittedly, I'm a little afraid of the space aliens, just a little bit. Not, not yeah. so much for me, but... I mean, I'm ready to regular, welcome them. Regular aliens, come on over. Yeah. I'm ready to welcome the space aliens, but I'm not saying I'm not going to be like weeping in a ball in the corner when they first arrive, you know? Yeah, I'm a little apprehensive, yeah. I, I feel about... <laughs> Yeah, I feel about Once space aliens a way that, like, you're, you're probably your average Trump voter probably feels about Mexicans. It's like <laughs> that's sad on several <laughs> levels. <laughs> yeah, like, like <laughs> this. I'm just gonna keep my eye on you, and hopefully, there's a government agency that'll <laughs> like, please. They'll they'll be they'll be crying in their bunkers too when the aliens come. Yeah. <laughs> the space aliens again. Again, we're all we're all for the. Space they're space already space crying in their bunkers over. They're they're crying over in their bunkers over the idea of taco stand. Right. So, oh god. Like, these are not people of great fortitude and, and, and courage. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Oh man. Um, I could. No wonder we're uh, initially planning to only do this once a month because I could talk to you fun people about space aliens and Bob Dylan for a very long time. Um, yeah, yeah. But, we actually do this on our spare time is we like you know email each other about aliens and stuff. So now I'm okay. Now I'm jealous that I'm not a part of that beautiful experience. But this time, we are. this is this is where this came from. Is we yeah we've been emailing each yeah. other about this for talking on Facebook about aliens. Well, yeah. Plus, we're gonna need to do that literally for research. That's the other reason I'm gonna try see if I can afford a subscription to 14 times, which I can't afford at least until my job starts. But it'll be for research, and that's why this podcast, blah, 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 right. the Lonesome Road, is a very good thing because it gives us an excuse to waste time in the best possible way. And that means, though, I think that we should wrap this up. Otherwise, no one will want to listen to it. Um, but they should. All right. So. All right. So next time, let's 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 think about those aliens, um, audience. I hope yep. you enjoyed our riffing on Bigfoot, Bob Dylan, and other vital American topics. And it's always a pleasure, Zach and Seth. Uh, watch out for the government, and say hi to Bigfoot if you see.